Hey, hey, Rotten Horror Picture Show is off of new episodes until January, so we figured it would be a good time to give you guys a sneak peek at what we're doing over at patreon.com slash the Penske file. So here you go. Here's the first episode of Second String of Stephen King, which is what we covered all of this past year. With uh, This is the first episode. It's It, Chapter 2. So enjoy, and we'll see you back for new episodes in January. And join our Patreon. You can listen to all the rest of the episodes of Second String of Stephen King, and you get all the Video Nasties episodes we're doing in 2023. So join us. Amanda, I, I'm disappointed that I don't in have, me. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Yes. No, I'm disappointed that I don't have uh, as fun of a way to introduce these new movies as I did last time. Hmm. Um. I could. I guess I could go like, go like. <laughs> that's of course doing a big line of cocaine. <laughs> because what we're talking about this yep. year on Patreon. Are Stephen King movies? You be nice to Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King should have been nice to himself. Okay. Hey, hey. He got there eventually, yeah, and then he got on. hit by a car. Um, we're doing uh, and we're we're doing the the movies that are kind of off the beaten path a little bit. The movies that are not on our main list on our show, the Rotten Horror Picture Show, where we usually cover movies off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. These are Stephen King movies that are not on that list. There, I think, arguably, I'm glad we're doing this because yeah. these are some fun ones that I, I don't think, with the exception of maybe Christine. Okay, I don't think they are ones that, at least, I don't think I would have chosen for like a wild card choice slot. Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could have seen myself picking a couple of the ones that I think are on our, on our list for this version yeah. of of the of the show as as a wild card here and there but definitely not all of them yeah and yeah. So, like you know these are not on our base list mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're bad movies no not you know at what all. i mean not like, at all yeah there's still some some pretty pretty good ones in this in this batch that we've picked yes and the first one because we, we were going we're, we're gonna uh, bookend the year with uh rounding out all the versions of it that yes. are available to watch. So <laughs> for January, we are covering It Chapter 2 from 2019. This movie came out in 2019. That feels like 100 years ago. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. A lot of stuff happening between then and now. Nothing. Like in my mind, 2019 was last year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw someone recently talk about how they the the biggest uh, break of suspension of disbelief for them in the Marvel movies mm-hmm. is that half the population could disappear for five years and then they could all come back and everyone would kind of just like move on and for not really talk about it. Yeah. 
And they were like, and then the last couple years happened. Yep. And it became a lot more believable where it's like, yeah, no, this two years just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, the human brain like just kind of fills in, fills in the gaps and just adapts and and keeps rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My, my human brain was definitely (laughs) trying to do something else around our two and a half of this movie we're watching today, which is it chapter two. As I said, it's not on our main list, but it has a 62% Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, I'm not going to read the... Should I read the reviews? I I wasn't planning on doing the reviews for these because I only did them for the Friday the 13th movies because they're generally (laughs) so poorly regarded that I thought it would be funny. Yeah, I was going to say some of them... Some of them for when we were doing the Friday the 13th ones were so salty that it was just like too much fun. Yeah. Like you couldn't skip them. Maybe I I will with some of the other ones because this one is like... This one Too like prestige to really have I fun was, reviews. Yeah, it. I was gonna say like the reviews of this one are probably very sincere. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like we'll oh, never yeah. know because I'm not. Gonna yeah, because we're not gonna read them. Yeah. Uh, you had seen this before. We saw this together, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred years ago. One hundred years ago. Back when people went to the movies. Yeah. Back when human civilization was functioning at least somewhat. Yeah, and you you had have you I can't remember have you read the book? No, I have not. No. Okay. Yeah. This this is one of the rare. One of the rare ones that just daunted me with its sheer size. Mm-hmm. Like, just how many pages is it? Isn't it like 2,000 pages or something? It, well, what I can tell you is that yeah. it is 45 hours as an audiobook. See, this is how most people I know who have read this book, that is how they have managed to do it. Yeah. They're like, yep, I just put it on when I have to go for a drive, when I have to go for a run, when I have to do the dishes, when I have to vacuum the house. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, I just listen to it because that's the only way you're going to get through it and not have it take six years yeah i've owned i know i've said this before on probably when we covered the it part one Mm -hmm. on our main show but i own i own and have owned the hardcover giant volume yeah for probably about 25 years (laughs) i've tried to read it four or five times i've only Mm -hmm. made it maybe 100 pages in oh wow um but this past summer i was reading i was listening to a lot more audiobooks i had just just knocked out a 45-hour biography of George Washington was there feeling go. really good about myself, so I said, what am I going to do next? <laughs> Not really interested in the stand, but I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to make my way through it. That's funny, because I just started reading the stand. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, let me know how it is, because I sure. it, that's one where I'm like, I don't really give a shit to, <laughs> to, to spend that much time. I'm sure it's good, but... um, So, yeah, I uh, I haven't quite finished it yet. Well definitely have not come close to finishing it yet oh, it's actually pr- i'm actually pretty close to He's where i two hours in kind of <laughs> i i kind of stalled out because i was doing it more when i was like exercising outside which obviously i haven't been in the winter but, right 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 um i gotta get back into doing that and, and put a bigger dent into this but anyway uh we're here to talk about the movie yes um so yeah uh this is the hotly anticipated sequel to it part one yeah which um <clears throat> Kind of took the world by storm when yeah. it came out a little bit, which which was surprising to me because even though we have been in a bit of a, a horror renaissance the last few years, I really didn't think it was going to be the thing that everybody gravitated towards. Yeah, 
I, in retrospect, it makes sense because yeah. it's kind of like, like obviously, Stranger Things had become a hit. And yeah, it yeah. is sort of like you. I don't think you get Stranger Things without it. Absolutely. Um, and it also kind of kicked off a Stephen King renaissance. Yeah, yeah, it did. Because one of the things I think we're gonna get into <laughs> as we go through some of these movies, because we're also doing some some of the television versions and stuff. Yeah, is uh, Stephen King adaptations are probably the most hit or miss genre of movies I can think of. Yeah, where you've either got ones that are like classics mm-hmm. or you've got ones that are just stinkers tradi- <laughs> traditionally. <laughs> yes. And with so many TV adaptations that are like multi-part series and stuff with pretty low budgets, they're a little bit they're a little rough. Um but after this after the first it came out, it was like, "Oh, of course, Stephen King." Yeah. The uh, the adaptation for someone who wants to do like a prestige adaptation, obviously a prestige horror in this elevated horror yeah. uh, landscape we're currently in, that's you get uh, Mike Flanagan basically buying the rights to everything. Yes, um, they did. They redid Pet Cemetery. Yep, uh, and they put it Chapter Two into development very quickly, which I wonder if they had planned on doing the second part mm. or if it was a dune situation where they were like mm. you know what let's just throw it all at the wall for the first one and if we have to make the next one or if we get to make the next one we'll figure it out because a little bit of a recap of the first one and my thoughts about that before we get into this one is sure. i think the first one works really well by itself yeah i think they change the structure so it's like all right if we never get to do part two this works. This is yeah, yes. I I think that at minimum that was an intentional choice. Yeah. You know, like we we're going to structure this so that if it chapter 1 is the only chapter, then it has some sort of satisfying conclusion. Right. Yeah. And which great idea, worked really well. Um however, when you get to the second one, I feel like <laughs> you have kind of played some cards that you can't quite really play again. Yeah. And you get into a little, it gets a little bit muddy as, in terms of how you do this and make it work, which I think we will we will get into yeah. uh, quite a bit. But yeah. um, we're going to take a quick break and play the trailer, and then we will talk about It Chapter 2. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. Again. Hello? Kid! Hello? Kid! Oh! 
alone. Chapter 2, from 2019, directed by Andy Muschietti, written by Gary Doberman, based on the novel by Stephen King, starring Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, James Ranson, Andy Bean, Bill Skarsgård, and a bunch of dumb kids. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in It Chapter 2? Defeated by members of the Losers Club, the evil clown Pennywise returns 27 years later to terrorize the town of Derry, Maine once again. Now adults, the childhood friends have long since gone their separate ways. But when people start disappearing, Mike Hanlon calls the others home for one final stand. Damaged by scars from the past, the United Losers must conquer their deepest fears to destroy the shape-shifting Pennywise, now more powerful than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to have a good summary if <laughs> this is a book that's been around for that's true. 40 years. It's been enough or time years. to figure that one out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Clay, uh, some things you'll find in this movie include mm-hmm. suicide for the good of the team. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> taking The ultimate taking one for the team. Yes. And it kind of goes into the, we may as well talk about the next one, which is... Yes. Uh <laughs> more endings than the return of the king yeah uh instead of instead of remember at the, at the end of return of the king yes. you get that scene where it's i think it's like is it frodo or bilbo is like writing the book yes imagine that but it's <laughs> it's frodo writing a suicide note well come on that whole letter starts as you probably think this is a suicide note and it's not no it is it's a suicide <laughs> note um it's just a long heartfelt explanation of why i have to die yeah i when he got to the end of that and he was like i killed myself because i knew i i wouldn't be able to do it and you guys really needed to be a team i was like wow yeah i don't think that's in the book yeah the phrase he uses so i took myself off the board yeah and it's like that's a casual way to think about your own life yeah but okay there's this is a conversation what for a about different your time trip to brazil right right <laughs> This is a conversation for a different time, but there is such a strange, modern, I want to say it's an American thing, Mm. obsession with like sacrificing yourself for the good of the team in a lot of movies. Mm. Like there's a lot of running into the fire. Jumping on the grenade kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I still, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's, there's this 
great season finale episode spoilers for a 15 year old tv show <laughs> 15 is it more is it, f- is it less than that <laughs> it's, it's more, more than it's well more this than was that. a later season this was season five so 20 close to 20 <laughs> yeah um so at the end of that season it's like uh th- there's this portal the hell opens up and the only thing yep. that can close it is is summer's blood and yes. so buffy's sister is going to go sacrifice herself and buffy stops her and before she then sacrifices herself to save everybody, she grabs her sister and she says, the hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it. And then she just fucking kills herself. Yep. Yep. <laughs> was, and like, and therefore I give up. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's hitting the note exactly you're trying to hit there, but. Probably not. Yeah. Anyway, that, but then again, <laughs> that's, that's a conversation for a different time. Uh, to round out our things you'll find though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ritual of chewed? Is it chewed? They keep saying chewed because I guess they don't want to say chud. <laughs> they don't want to say chud. Because I don't, know, I don't know if everyone who sees the word chud, chud still thinks of cannibalistic humanoid uh-huh. under, underground dwellers. Yes. I hope they do. I mean, they should. Yeah. What other kind of chud is there? If this movie had ended with, chuds? with Pennywise versus an army of chuds. Worth the two <laughs> two hours and forty nine minutes or whatever. Yep. Favorite movie. Uh, gratuitous angel of the morning needle drop. I can't explain that. I feel like somebody did it as a joke, and then it was like everybody who worked in that movie just loved it so much, and were they were like, keep it. Yeah, is we're it just like gonna a, go for is it? Is it a reference to something? Deadpool? Or is it just? I don't know. <laughs> I it's don't just, know. It's a very odd choice. It's a weird choice. It, it does speak to the tone of this movie that I think they should have leaned into more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can talk about that in a bit too. Yes, because I'm going to f- I'm going to end this list with questionable parenting. Questionable parenting. Yes. I mean, Bev's dad is in this movie. Bev's dad is in this movie. Yes. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I feel like you can't even if it's just Pennywise as Bev's dad. Yeah. The fact that Bev is in this movie means that there has been questionable parenting. That's true. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's not really the any parents other who keep letting their kid run around town alone, even though kids keep disappearing. Yeah. Questionable parenting. I'm going to count Bill in that <laughs> as, as a surrogate dad. Yeah. Because yeah. after that kid explodes in that carnival ride yes he just walks away and doesn't tell anybody what happened oh he tells his friends yeah okay he doesn't tell anybody there yeah i mean someone's gonna find that and be very upset unless it happened in another dimension (laughs) uh yeah so it it chapter two um the best way that i can describe this movie Mm -hmm. and this is another reference that is gonna feel very dated um it part two is to it part one what the Guns N' Roses album Use Your Illusion is to Appetite for Destruction. Let me let me elaborate on that. <laughs> uh, Appetite for Destruction, very tight, very uh, hard hitting, kind of really blew, blew the genre open when it came out in 1987 or whatever. Sure. Uh, their follow-up album... Use Your Illusion, well, fa- albums, it was technically two, Use Your, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. That's a, that's a bad sign right there. Yeah. Is very l- long, very sprawling, mm-hmm. very indulgent, not bad, has great songs on it. Sure. But you really probably could have trimmed it down to a single album. Yeah. That would have been great. Great. Yeah. And I think that is the 
the, that's my view of this movie. I would agree. Um, All I, right. Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's really any anyone who's listened to any of our other episodes has probably heard me at some point go on my my rant about how almost no movies need to be more than two hours long. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, up to two hours, I'll give you that. But the vast majority of movies do not need to be two hours and 50 minutes long. Not to not to generalize too much, but I would also add to that, especially horror movies. Uh, two and a sure. half hours is pushing it for a horror movie. Like, yeah. really pushing it. Yeah. 249, close to three hours. Yeah. That's the main... I mean, we're going to get to it eventually, but that's the main reason why everyone's like, you got to watch the longer version of Dr. Sleep. I was like, that movie's like three fucking yeah. hours in the theater. <laughs> we do not need a Snyder cut of everything that's four hours right, long. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it and it's and it's tough. In some cases, I understand the runtime for some movies more. Um, they're not horror movies, obviously, but some of the Marvel movies that go really long, like some of the big mm-hmm. Avengers movies, a lot of stuff to cover. Exactly, like you've just got such a big ensemble, you're trying to get so much done, and everything is you know like earth shaking, timeline changing, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. The thing that's frustrating about this movie is there are so many places where it's really clear you could have cut things down or cut them all together mm-hmm. and still maintained the basic integrity of the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that's fascinating about this is, you know, it is such a long book. So yep. obviously, longer runtime, you'd think, oh, they're going to put more book stuff in it, <laughs> which they do. But as I mentioned previously, the structure is kind of chopped up from the book. So the book has this really nice kind of like jumping back and forth sort of structure to it where it's them as kids and then it's them mm-hmm. as adults and they, it all kind of plays off of each other. Okay. Uh, pretty um, naturally. Yeah. And they don't do that in the first one and they try to do that in this one, but where they do it in this one yeah. is all this sort of like manufactured quest stuff in the middle of the movie. Right. Where they have to like, each one of them has to go find a totem or some shit. Yes. And it's just, it's just them. As I said to your husband, who is a longtime friend of mine, I said, do you remember that time that we went back to the town we grew up in (laughs) and remembered being scared once and then just wandered around looking for trash? That's basically the middle of this movie. Yeah. Is they're not really doing much except walking around and having these sort of like flashbacks because the other problem is everybody loved the kids in the first one right you got to get the kids in there yeah and so so you end up with a bunch of kids who are now older and being irishman back into <laughs> with degree uh, different like degrees of success pre-pubescent or early pubescent yeah. rather uh, than like firmly teenagers according to the imdb trivia they all had to be like shaved, oh. <laughs> shaved and greased. If you oh. want these kids on screen, those poor, like especially those boys, those poor boys. I know they just grew that <laughs> hair. Know. That's brand I was new. Say, they're so proud of their four chest hairs, and yeah. there they go. <laughs> but you know, it's like you, you. They're trying to get all this stuff from the book in, and yeah. they're treating it all so, um, with such reverence mm-hmm. that it's like. It's like they ex- it's like they think the 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 crowd expects a really long movie that's like 
really kind of navel gazing. It, you know what I mean? It's like this is you don't understand. This mm. is it, chapter two. <laughs> Buckle up, because we're gonna be on this trip for a while. And well, it's like, it, it comes off to me a little bit like it's trying to recapture some of the success and the the sort of. And when I say success, I don't mean like monetary success necessarily. Sure. I mean more the the charisma and the sort of relationships that worked really well in the first one. Mm-hmm. And and they're trying to recapture some of that glow mm. um, and remind the audience because, you know, it's been a couple years and I don't know if you remember how like, you know, adorable, chubby little kid Ben was mm-hmm. and like. You don't know. worry, everyone. He's hot now. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know so it's it's like they have to include these these moments back with the, the kids right to right. sort of remind you the audience of like remember how much you loved them remember how like sweet they were and how like the the relationships between them were so important mm-hmm. excuse me and i think you know part of the problem is then it, it you you and i are think we're both saying this kind of thing where it starts feeling like scenes that they just couldn't justify keeping in the first movie Mm -hmm. that they just shifted back into the second you know what i mean like like almost like deleted scenes yeah that we weren't important enough to the main narrative of the first movie but were still good scenes so we'll just shove them in here yeah because yeah the structure of this movie is basically um everyone's moved on except for mike mike is still in town yes uh pennywise related murders start happening again so mike calls up all the losers and says, you got to come back to town. It's happening again. And you, we get introduced to everybody as adults. And then they come back and they meet each other. And this is like the first half an hour of the movie. Yeah. I, I forgot how quickly they hustle through all that stuff. Yeah, because, it's, it's pretty snappy. <laughs> yeah, by the time they get to the Chinese restaurant where they're all back together, yeah. that's like literally like only a half an hour in. And I right. was like, oh, that's just, I'm surprised they didn't. Go, give that a little bit more room to breathe and after that point you kind of get into the meat of what's going on which is mike has this ancient indian ritual thing oh God. that he thinks will destroy pennywise that <sighs> requires them to get totems to sacrifice a symbol from their pasts yeah and yeah. so then they each go on like a scavenger hunt for stuff around the town and <laughs> which i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt but I, it just, it both is hilarious to me and so frustrating that Bill goes and finds his childhood bicycle yes. at the antique secondhand shop, and then that's not his totem. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> he gets his totem fit, from a ghost. <laughs> you can't fit a bicycle in a small leather container. To be fair, he didn't even try. Like, imagine if he had shown up with that thing, and they were like, "You realize we have to go down like a tight sewer drain, right. right? What was your plan here, Bill?" Um. And and so then the the last hour or so is this you know final assault on the Pennywise the house and right and his right going lair and going into the abandoned house from the first one that's still there twenty seven years yes, later yep. in its exact same state of decay which I'll chalk up to supernatural forces mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah going through the going through the house mirroring sort of how they had to go and descend into the netherworld in the sewer mm-hmm. and then descending again. <laughs> Love a good love a good literal threshold crossing. Yes. Always big fan. Especially if you gotta go down. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a fairly straightforward idea, but this middle section where they're all trying to find these totems is so long. Yeah. And 
you know, the first trailer of this movie basically was the uh, uh, Bev going to have tea with the cre- creepy lady scene. Yes. And the, I think the reason they put that up front is because that is a, it's a really good scene. Yeah. It's really yeah. well done. However, it's very long. Yeah, and right. Each one of these characters pretty much gets a scene that is comparable to that. So if yes. that's like, you know, a five or something minute scene, you know, yeah. you got to, that's another half an hour just of people looking around first and having these little yeah. creepy things. And it's all really good in the moment creepy stuff, like with Eddie. And the oh, yeah. creepy uh, leper guy. Yep, yep. All the, really fun. The basement of the pharmacy, yeah. But it's not really in service of a lot. Well, so that's what I was going to say when you mentioned that the, the sequence with Bev in the apartment with the old lady. I love that sequence. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that part in and of itself. But yeah, another reason why it makes a great trailer is it doesn't give away or spoil anything of substance right in the movie right like you know bev's gonna go to this apartment and it's gonna be creepy right it's gonna be scary because it's like yeah it's a stephen king movie yeah <laughs> yeah and some of them are getting like double the scene because you've got like uh richie who goes to the arcade <clears throat> right who then has a flashback about a time that he was bullied at yep. the arcade yep and then he has another scene where he gets attacked by Pennywise by giant Paul Bunyan. And then like there's a another tag to that where he gets attacked again as a, like and it's it's just a lot of like I don't know what Pennywise's plan is here because he seems to be I kind of had this problem with the first one too, where it's like Penny, yeah. Pennywise is like Freddy Krueger if he just doesn't do anything. Like he's all flash. He doesn't try to kill these kids. He doesn't try to kill them as adults. You know, well, it's I a lot think... of like, welcome back, Richie. Yeah. And then that's it. He's like, I'll see you soon. I, I think there is something about this sort of like cat and mouse playing with your food mm-hmm. a little bit. Sure. Like, because yeah. he's sort of feeding off of their fear. True. Yeah. And their fear is amping each other up, which then creates more fear. So I, I kind of get also, you know, you're kind of a being that's been alive for thousands of years you gotta find your fun where you can find it fair right you fair. probably gotta be bored sometimes and it's just like gullible little kids keep following you under the bleachers like yeah that's boring you're an idiot that is funny that sometimes <laughs> he likes to just eat them straight away but with these yeah. these six in particular he's like no i'm gonna let you guys have a plan first yeah yeah it's like oh you know you guys are cute you're funny yeah i'm gonna see what you do and then i'm gonna bite your heads off but uh yeah, I think the 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 problem I th- I was thinking about it more today and I think the reason that middle section doesn't work for me mm-hmm. is on top of everything we just talked about is what you were saying where they're trying to recreate this camaraderie of the young kids. Yeah. And it comes at the at the disservice to any attempt to create that kind of camaraderie among the adult versions. Yes. Yeah, I told I yeah, I had a problem with that too where it's just sort of like the adult versions of 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 these characters are so separated and yeah. like part of that's a function of the fact that they all have like low grade amnesia. Yeah, that's sort of built into the to the uh supernatural element of, yeah. of everything. 
Yeah. But yeah, it does it does create a weird sort of Right, where it's like yeah. when you don't when these are your best friends from childhood but you don't even really remember them. Mm-hmm. Not even like, well, I don't remember exactly what we did on that Friday night you're talking about. It's like, no, I don't remember you at all. Right. It makes it really hard to sort of kind of lean back into those pre-existing relationships because they sort of don't exist for these characters. Yeah. They kind of have they kind of have a bit of a like the big chill scene at the, yeah. the the Chinese food place yeah, where they all uh, I actually thought they were literally going to have a build, big chill scene when they're in the uh, clubhouse mm-hmm. and one of them pulls out a cassette tape I thought it was going to be like <laughs> guys do you remember this and it was going to yeah. be like Motown hits or something yeah but, but like they you know they have that scene where they all kind of start talking and, and, and yeah they're like oh my again. god and then I did this remember this happened to you holy shit I forgot that until just now and yeah. it's like all right, that that helps yeah. <laughs> ease you back into it, but yeah, it they're so fragmented as characters. Like they don't, nobody really stayed in touch. They don't really know anything about each other anymore. They're all sort of jaded, disillusioned adults. Mm-hmm. Like none of them are. I don't know. None of them seem like open to to reconnecting with each other. They yeah. except for maybe Ben. Yeah, Ben seems very like. Oh my god, you guys! <laughs> yeah, there's there's an interesting element that they don't bring into the movie, or at least if they tried to, they didn't really lean into it enough to really make it stick. Hmm. Um, interesting element from the book, which is all of the adult versions of these characters are successful, mm-hmm. but very empty. So that it's sort yeah. of like the curse of of Derry. Yeah, is that they all end up becoming successful. But none of them are happy. Uh, Bev I, becomes very successful, but she's married to an abusive husband. Right. Uh, ben is a successful architect, but he he's a drunk. Yeah. Um, Bill is a successful writer. But his endings suck. Yeah, I, that's not in the book. <laughs> I can't remember what the what the, the hook is for him, but it's, it's a similar thing. Unhappy marriage. Yeah, or uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That. So, and uh, uh, Eddie, interestingly enough, Eddie in the book is a limo owns a limo company huh in this he's a risk assessment guy which makes a lot more sense for him yeah I which think. i actually really love i think it's a really um, funny yeah in the book though he and his wife have an argument over the phone about who's going to pick up al pacino at the airport <laughs> it's it's yeah it's weird but okay but like that like that element i don't think i think that could have been good for these characters be, to yeah. show how them coming together reinvigorates them i think they sort of <sighs> It's it's tough because I think they they kind of obliquely introduce some of that mm. with some characters more than with others. I think with Bev, it's really obvious that she's like kind of trapped in an abusive marriage and mm-hmm. deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of the problem is that when you when you're making a movie, everybody in in movies has ludicrously beautiful houses and apartments, even if they're like, I'm the guy who works the coffee cart outside right right do you know what i mean like so it doesn't have the same impact that it does when you're reading about it because in movies it's just like yeah she's the assistant to the executive assistant for a fashion company and she lives in like you know the upper east side right well i was joking when we were watching it last night that they all the difference between the book and the movie Mm -hmm. is that they in the movie they all grew up to be hot (laughs) 
Yeah. But the twist is that Ben is hotter than the rest of them. Right. Because like, yeah, they're they're all Hollywood actors. Yeah. And, you know, they're all going to be a certain level of baseline attractive. So then you have to find the guy who's even more attractive. Right. To like sort of be like, hey, how do you make James McAvoy look not so great? <laughs> you put this dude next to him. And that's the only way it works. Because right, you're right. not going to cast like normal people Mike, who live in normal houses. Mike is literally the guy from the Old Spice commercials. Yes. Whose entire yes. thing is looking really hot with his shirt Yes, on. being kind of a sex symbol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's tough. And I think that's kind of part of the problem with Stephen King adaptations is like whenever you're putting them on screen, they're being filtered through this kind of show businessy lens mm. that often wants to make things prettier than it should be. Sure. Sure. And so then you lose some of the contrast sometimes when things are supposed to be like, like the sort of outward trappings of success are just always there. So mm-hmm. they don't have the same impact as they would in the book when like, you know, different characters are coming together, but one of them shows up in a Maserati. Right. Then you're like, oh shit, he's rich. Yeah, but in, yeah. in the movie, they all have nice cars. You know? Right. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. He, Stephen King writes schlubby characters. Right, like, yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, it sounds. No, no, but it sounds I, mean. But I no, don't but mean it to be mean. I think that's part of. I think that's very much an intentional choice. I think he's yeah. trying to write people who are real, as close to real people as as he can get. Right. You know, yeah. like not rich, wealthy, successful people typically, mm-hmm. and the ones who start that way in his in his books typically don't end that way. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, when they remade Salem's Lot a handful of years ago, it's yeah. like the main guy in Salem's Lot is just supposed to be like a normal, everyday kind of dude. Yeah. Uh, let's get Rob Lowe. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just the average guy who you see when you take your trash out. Right, yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, what do you think What do you think of the casting for, for this one as far as the uh, adult versions of of each character. I do think they did a really good job. Yeah. You know, like as much as we're saying like, Oh, like in a way they're like all too beautiful Hollywood people, but like it's a movie you're going to cast. Like if you're going to make people stare at people for three hours, they're going to be attractive people. I mean, they should have gone the way that they go now, like in the new Batman movie coming out Mm -hmm. where you cast Colin Farrell for some reason to play the penguin. (laughs) And then you put enough makeup on him. So it looks like he's Oliver Stone. Yeah. I don't know why you can't cast, cast Colin Farrell if you're going to make him look like, or Jared Leto, oh. and make him look like Jeffrey Tambor to see how Gucci. So they can show their range. Yeah, I guess. I'm not just a pretty face. Um, no, but in, in, all, in all seriousness, I think they did do a really good job, mm. especially with, um, especially with Eddie. Yep. And Bev. Yep. I, I think, and, and Mike. I have, I have such a huge crush on Jessica Chastain, and I have to I say mean, that quietly because my girlfriend's in the next room. But I mean, she would probably agree with you. Maybe. It's Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Like, she's just a stunning person. Yeah. Um, Go on. <laughs> tell you more. Um, yeah, no, and I, 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 think, I think they did a really good job with the casting, and I think the cast does a really good job of... of capturing sort of the the basic elements of each character pretty well Mm -hmm. my only complaint is actually jessica chastain i think she's a little too 
from the Bev you see in the first movie, yeah. I think she's, she's, and maybe part of it is you'd say 27 years of being continually abused mm. by the men in her life would probably grind a person down. Sure. But I just wish she had a little more fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a yeah. little, a little more, I don't know. Just she's, she's, she spends so much of this movie kind of crying or, or being yeah. really melancholy or just being really kind of like on the verge of tears and just barely holding it together. And I feel like it doesn't do that character justice. Yeah. It's only really towards the very end during the big confrontation that she gets to have some like initiative and like physical elements to her character. Yeah. And they, they give her this thing. I don't know if this is in the book. That she has like premonitions about their deaths and yeah. stuff, and she kind of veers into like Counselor Troy territory, where yeah. technically she's got <laughs> mental powers, but uh, it's it's broad enough that it's not really useful. Right, right, and we're gonna kind of make this reason why she has it, and it's really just like okay, so you needed you needed someone to be able to predict predict everyone's impending doom mm-hmm. in order to force these characters to stay in Derry and work together. Right. Because they're not believably going to do that off of the strength of their non-existent relationships. Right. Which is really unfortunate because yeah. that brings us to probably my least favorite thing about this movie, which is the ancient Indian stuff. It's so bad. And I'm not even saying that to you know score points with people or whatever but it's just like as a as a device i think it's really lazy yeah and it also feels so out of place yes is that do you know is that in the book i my understanding in the book is that uh, mike does not visit the reservation or whatever in Derry and get a secret drum or something it's it's something that the kids read about at the library and become yeah. sort of like a creation of their own based on the stuff that they're reading. So it Got is kind it. of like a manifestation of their own imaginations. Sure. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and it's not that Mike just read the secret secret history of Twin Peaks and was like, I figured it out. Yeah. I, a, I know how to kill him, <laughs> but more importantly, I know who killed Laura Palmer. Right. You know, and it's just, it's just, it's so out of place and it's like a cool, again, it's a cool sequence when he drugs bill yeah and you get this really neat cgi i mean visually everything in this movie is really beautifully yeah it's really really great yeah looking but the idea that he's just got this like the fat the thing that i kept waiting for the first time we saw this yeah was i kept waiting for bill or uh for mike to get exposed Mm -hmm. um in the let me rephrase this uh, at the end, when they try to do the ritual, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work, yes. and Pennywise is like shit-talking Mike, and right. like, your stupid thing didn't work, I was expecting that Pennywise was going to reveal that Mike made it all up yeah, as a way to get them all to come together, because it's like, if, you, if, you, if I said to you, hey, remember that giant, unkillable monster that almost yeah. killed us 25 years ago? A, it's back. B, we have to kill it. Right. I don't know how we're going to do that, but uh, please come home. You better come home, yeah. You would say no. But if he comes to them and is like, I know how to do it, it's going to take us all working together as a group like we did back then. Yeah. Like give them this fake hoodoo garbage. Right. Send them on their scavenger hunt to help jog their memories about how much they care about each other. Exactly. And then when they try it, 
it almost works, but yeah. then it doesn't work. And Pennywise is like, you made all that shit up. Like that, <laughs> that would, I think would have been great. Yeah. Because it would have felt of a piece with everything else that they, the, that the story is about, but it also would have really satisfied the part of me that's like ancient Indian curse. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Like yeah. this, that doesn't fit in this at all. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is to to introduce an element like that that's so out of left field in part two of a two-part Yes, yeah. like series and both movies are pretty long. Yeah. To just kind of put that in there and not have like any actual Native American Indian people in the movie. That's another weird like, thing about it too. Do you know what I mean? Which is why I thought he made it up. They're not even like, real people in the like visions. They're like, well, I mean, they were real people, Amanda. Come on, don't erase them from history. But like visually, they're like made of right, yeah, made of other substances. Like they, there's not even like real actors cast. Yeah, to, there's like, a, there's a couple at the beginning when it's when he's okay. like, I went to see the Chippewa or whatever, and. <laughs> yeah yeah and they're like excuse me can we fucking help you yeah it's like get off yeah. get off of our land buddy. yeah uh um, are you here to buy drugs yeah because we don't have any we don't do that uh yeah it's just it's such a weird like i understand yeah. it's one of those things where it's like they're trying to do something that was in the book how do we figure out how to get this in yes and it just i think yeah i I have I've started to think about this more, especially when it comes to Stephen King stuff, because <clears throat> the big criticism of The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, obviously is like, oh well, it's not enough like the book. Okay, yeah. I don't think it's always a good thing to be like the book for the sake of being like the book. Yeah. I have the yeah. same problem with Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do a lot of stuff that people are like, oh, that's how it works in the book, and I'm like, okay, yeah. fine. But I don't think like structurally or thematically that really works in this story that you're telling. Yeah, I was. Yeah, some things just don't translate as well as you want them to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's there's some things that are like they are interior to the characters. They they are the characters revisiting memories or re-experiencing traumas or having a debate within themselves or you you know what I mean like. Mm-hmm. And those things can happen in a in a book in a narrative form in like flashbacks or weird asides or tangents and it can work in a book that then pulls all the threads back together at the end Mm -hmm. but when you're sitting through a movie a lot of times it just feels like a like an unnecessary diversion from the main action right like you're just going off on this weird like why are we shoehorning this in in here it doesn't feel necessary yeah which is why I, i think we've probably talked about this before why mike flanagan has kind of figured it out yeah. When it comes to doing Stephen King stuff, and even he does original stuff that is mm-hmm. the like House on uh, Hill House, yeah, is the most Stephen King thing I've ever seen as far as a TV yeah. show because he figured out, oh well, you need the time. Yeah, if I have eight episodes, and I can each do all that an shit. hour. Yeah, yeah I, I can, can do all that stuff that we don't have time for. Um, yeah, and I, so I'm, I'm gonna jump a little bit to my. I know, you know, for, for you, you were saying that the, the sort of middle section of this movie where they all go search for their, their individual MacGuffins mm-hmm. doesn't really work for you. I would keep most of that stuff mm-hmm. and ditch all of the Bowers stuff Yeah, of the, him coming back. Yeah, the Bowers stuff's real weird. 
it's it's cool. Yeah, like, yeah, I, again, I, yes. You know, again, it's 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 that's the thing with this movie. Everything's really well done, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't do enough in the main narrative, right? That it feels necessary when we're creeping up towards three hours. The other thing, and I know you know what I'm going to say, my least favorite scene of this whole movie, the thing I hate that they included, is there is a gay bashing. Yes. At the beginning of this movie. Yeah. That is just like, it feels so gratuitous to me mm-hmm. because it's never picked up further on. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing comes of it. it it's not... It's not really like I, I, it's sort of framed as like one of the events that triggers Mike mm-hmm. to call everyone home, but it's not even like ex- as explicitly tied to that as I feel like it would need to be to be justified. Sure, yeah. And it's just like it's also very, very like I don't know. It's just it's so brutal in a way where it's like these characters who who kill this young man are like never brought back. Right, yeah. They're just like town dirtbags who beat the shit out of these two guys and throw one of them over a bridge into a river mm-hmm. with no consequences. And it just I don't know, it feels like tonally really weird for the rest of the movie. It doesn't feel like it's necessary especially since like Pennywise's whole thing is that he targets children. Right. So then that feels kind of weird to me. And and the way it's just sort of dropped, like it's just like left there, like, oh yeah, everyone in this town is kind of a monster. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Now yeah. you have to sit through another two hours and 35 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that is, I believe, <coughs> excuse me, that scene is how the book starts. Or is yeah. one of the first things that hap- happens in the book. But to your point, one of the things that that scene does in the book mm-hmm. is kind of set the table for what has happened to Derry. Like it's it is it is built into the idea that Derry as a town is just like gone bad, right? And that is something that they don't do in this. I, I had the same problem as I did in the first. They do it better in the first one. Yeah. But this one, it's like, when that se- when this scene at the beginning here starts, I actually kind of, there's a weird thing to say about this scene. I had, I was hopeful about it because yeah. those thugs are presented in a really kind of gross way, which yeah. they almost seem like ghouls. And so my, I was like, right. oh, okay. So, all right, they're, they're establishing that the town is getting kind of like monstrous and weird. However, the town is gorgeous. Exactly. Like there's nothing wrong with the town. The only thing you get is is them and then the apartment building that Bev used to live in. Yeah, and I guess the, the movie theater is closed. Yeah, you know? but, <laughs> but even that, it's sort of like... They have a parade. And yeah. everybody's like happier than they, you know what I mean? It's Bill, like, Bill goes back to his old neighborhood and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like. They got a high school band and cheerleaders practicing in the park and shit. Yeah. The yeah. library is all like, you know, they've got museum cases of artifacts and stuff in there. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit for me with the way the rest of the movie goes. Right. Yeah. And so I think not only is it like almost like just unnecessarily brutal to these two characters who then just become like, yeah, they're just these 
these gay guys, so they had to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but then there's just no point to it. There's yeah. just no It's also payoff. There's no like, ah, this is showing me something about the people who live in this town. Yeah. Because then everyone else we meet in this town is like totally nice totally and fine. normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the ones who are there because it's a very sparsely populated town. Oh my God. No one works at that, er- at sometimes, that, at that inn. Sometimes there's people everywhere and other times there's nobody around for miles. Like no one. Yeah. No one works at that inn. The yeah. inn they're all staying in that they all just routinely run around. Even That's the- another thing. When they go, when they all meet each other again at the the Chinese food place, they're like, "Wow, they don't recognize each other." Yeah, but they're all staying at the same hotel. Yes. <laughs> so I guess the they one all, and only place that you can. I guess they rent all checked in separately at different times and didn't cross each other. But yeah, um, the other thing that's weird about that opening scene is, unlike the book, if I remember correctly, uh, it seems like Pennywise is doing that to like goad Mike into calling everybody. Because yeah. uh, he writes in blood, like, welcome home or something like that, or come home or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't, if I remember in the book, Pennywise is not trying to get them to come home. It's just right. that Mike is seeing that this shit is happening again. Exactly. And so he calls in the Ghostbusters. Sure, yeah. And that would make more sense to me than, yeah. than the way they play it. But, I mean, I feel like we've spent 45 minutes talking about all the things we don't like about this movie. Yeah. But I actually do like a lot of the parts of this movie. Yes. Yeah. I just think that it's too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, I th- I think that the, indiv- the tone of the individual scenes, most of them, I really like. Yeah. There's a weird... The tone of the first movie is so much more like a stranger things or like a goonies kind of tone like in a, like a, a a dark adventure kind of thing yeah the tone of this movie swings back and forth between like really overwrought uh stand an overwrought version of stand by me <laughs> and the other side is like ghostbusters yeah and i love the ghostbusters stuff yeah <laughs> i wish the whole movie was like that yeah, it's 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 really tough. I feel like for me for me the scale is sort of like there's like James McAvoy's over here in one mm-hmm. movie and Bill Hader is over here in a different totally. movie. Totally. Yeah. And part of that is just those characters, but like it's really hard to <laughs> like reconcile those two sort of drives that are both showing up really strongly in this movie like mm. one towards this really intense and and i don't know emotional and, and dealing with grief and guilt and all of that and then the other side that's kind of just like a, a comedy in a lot of ways yeah or like yeah. maybe not a straight up comedy but like coping with coping with terrible things with humor yeah 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 the the last hour when they go in after the uh when they go on the attack against pennywise i really like like once they yeah. go into the house again the the only thing i can think of is like ghostbusters yeah because it has it's played what's happening is very serious yeah but the way that it's being received is is uh very humorous yes like they they even go out of their way 
I almost clapped when they did this because I was not expecting this the first time I saw it. They go out of their way to do a direct callback to John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, yeah. Where it's the same shot in everything where it's behind Stanley's severed head, like <laughs> backlit, and the yes. legs come out of the side of his head and it scurries away and they yep. cut to Bill Hader and goes, you got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> Which is ex- right from The Thing. Yep. And like the whole tone of that whole scene, like with picking the doors and stuff. Oh, God, is really yeah. fun. Yeah. And it's like I, I kind of I kind of felt myself wishing like I wish the whole movie was kind of like this because even the scary stuff I think the scary stuff works pretty well like I was saying yeah. like I um do you have a, a particular one of the scenes the the more scary scenes quote unquote that you like I mean I already said I really like Bev in the apartment yeah like I <laughs> that that old lady that actress is great yeah she's very good yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think that there's some genuinely disturbing things in in bev's storyline that are very rooted in reality that are scary in a Mm. way that like you know richie's background isn't right right but you know yeah so yeah yeah and even with i mean the stuff with eddie is fun too yeah yeah Um, again like that feels more like evil dead or something at that point the angel of the morning yeah Yeah. it's just so strange (laughs) where they how they can you know, go from like child abuse into weird needle drops and bile puking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, a, uh, a rubbery-looking leper vomiting into your face. Yeah, I think I think I've seen people complain that there's too much CGI in this movie. Yeah, which there is, but like <laughs> I think it all looks really good. Well, yeah, all the monsters I think look really well, good because they're monsters. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're not CGI approximations of normal humans. Right. They're yeah. monsters. They're not supposed to look natural or normal. Like if there's an uncanny valley like quality to them, that's all for the better because yeah. they're monsters. Even Pennywise at the end, I think, yeah. looks really cool. I yeah. When, when it turns into like you know Universal Studios ride. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um. But yeah, I, my, for me, what I almost would have done is when I, you know, when I, when I was talking about the breakdown of this, this movie, like structurally, where it's like half an hour to get to the Chinese food restaurant where they all get together. Yeah. Then it's like, uh, it's like an hour of walking around the town looking for trash. And then it's an hour of fighting Pennywise. If they cut 90% of that middle part. Yeah. And just like took the two ends and smushed them together, you'd have like a pretty tight hour 45, two hour movie. Yeah. That would be a great like roller coaster ride of an, of a horror movie. I, you know, I think that would only work though if you had very recently watched the first one. Fair. Like, I, I think when you think of this as it was coming out, that would be tougher because mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got a woman, a black guy and a bunch of white dudes Mm -hmm. and it would kind of be tough to place like wait all right who was who in relation to who back then like i mean i'm i'm saying you can keep you can keep enough of that stuff to to figure it out but like i would much rather spend more time with the adults re and seeing their chemistry yeah than spending time rehash in the past because no, like that, you said, that makes sense yeah it, that middle part does start to feel like deleted scenes from the first movie i get what you're saying yeah and i i kind of and you know if you had kept that tone yeah throughout and 
just kind of you know made it like a much tighter, shorter roller coaster ride of a movie. Yeah, I think it would be a lot more satisfying. Yeah, and I, you know I'm thinking about it, and even in that sort of middle piece where everybody's off doing their own thing, I think it would be scarier for them to have seen each other's. Sure. Like yeah. Like. You know, we're not going to go through each individual person has their own section, but like the fact that they all do that stuff alone, mm-hmm. I think kind of lessens the impact yeah. for the group. Yeah. Because then Definitely. it's like, you know, Bev just saw this terrifying, stretched out old lady monster, but no one else has seen it right, until right. they're underground and it pops up and it tries to drown her. Yeah. But like, you know, it it, it it means that they're they've all gone through like the leper mm-hmm. thing for Eddie. It's like no one else sees that. He's the only one who does. Right, right. And it's kinda like, you know, seems like a bit of a waste, Pennywise. And also the <laughs> thing I was I was thinking about this time, another reason why I think that middle part feels so weird and doesn't quite work is because the conceit of all those flashbacks in the middle yeah. is that we are seeing stuff that happened to them in the period of time where they were angry at each other and weren't hanging out for like a day. And so if you put that together with the first movie, it's like, wait, so Ben was chased through the halls of the school by a ghostly version of Bev whose head was on fire. Yeah. And he never mentioned that to anybody else. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, you think that, like, because they stayed friends after this happened to them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they didn't move out immediately. Right. Like, they were like, well, I'm 13, so Dad says I have to go make it on my own. See you later, Derry. Even, even so, like, like if, I, if I hadn't hung out with my, my best friends who were all experiencing this shit, and while, for like two or three days, yeah. and during that time, I saw some crazy shit, yeah. when we got back together, I'd be like, did anyone else get attacked? Like, while we were separated? Yeah, that's what I mean. Even, like, after the end of the first movie, when they have defeated Pennywise for the time being, you'd think that there would have been several months of them just, like, rehashing these stories to each other. Right. To, like, process the trauma of it. Yeah. Because they had years of friendship, I'm assuming, after they beat Pennywise the first time. I actually don't know. I... You would think so, but the way that they, they... kind of frame it oh is it one of those things where it's like well bill moved away i think so something like that mike had to stop hanging out after school because he needed to do this thing and yeah because like bev and bill as kids clearly have some sort of romantic thing yeah but it's not like they dated for a while right right she's not being like oh bill my high school boyfriend right yeah the way they kind of portray it seems like after the Pennywise incident, they all kind of grew apart. Interesting. Which is weird, I guess, given the time when it's supposed to be. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess if you say like, you know, after Georgie's death, Bill's family decided to move. Bev got taken away from her dad because everybody realized fucking finally Mm -hmm. that he was abusing her. Mm -hmm. You know know what I mean? You could kind of fill in those sort of backstories. But yeah, it is just kind of weird. You need the Daniel Stern voiceover from wonder years to explain what happened to everybody not a ron howard voiceover (laughs) um so with all that in mind this is something i was thinking about last night does this movie work this movie as it stands yeah does this movie work better if you haven't seen the first one 
You know, I I think that's a really interesting question because my knee-jerk reaction is no. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because like a lot of the things we are pointing out as weaknesses is that like it flashes back to the kids too much for having watched a whole movie of the kids right, and like doesn't right. spend enough time with the adults building their chemistry. So maybe if you haven't done that, it works and feels more organic or reasonable that you would have to have these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But I still do, I just, I don't think that's enough. Yeah. Cause I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think one of the other things that ends up taking a backseat in this movie, too, because of all this flashback legwork is Pennywise himself. Because he's there, he's present, but like he's not really doing a lot. Well, and it's also interesting because he's present, but he takes so many different forms Mm -hmm. that it's almost easy to forget that he is the thing doing all of this. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, even, like, they're in the Chinese food restaurant and the fortune cookies start becoming eyeballs and weird bug monsters. And Eddie's dealing with the leper. Richie's getting chased around by giant Paul Bunyan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bev has got the creepy old lady. Um, Bill is being haunted by the memory of Georgie. Mm-hmm. Like, but these are all Pennywise. Right, right. And because we're so busy dealing with sort of everybody's feelings around all of these different things, we don't get reminded very often that you know this is pennywise and i think like you've pointed out a couple times there's not a clear plan Mm. from pennywise it's not like i'm gonna get you all isolated and i'm gonna pick you off one by one yeah or i'm gonna freak you all out to get you to come to my lair where i'm finally gonna kill you like there's no clear plan of attack from him right right which also makes it easy to sort of forget what he's doing yeah 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 um how do you feel about the ending the, well, i don't i don't mean the the ending ending i mean like <laughs> which the, which one the final <laughs> excuse me the final sequence uh battle sequence between the losers and pennywise i like it mm-hmm. I, li- I like it a lot i i i kind of like that mike's weird hey, we'll just do this ancient Indian ritual thing fails. Oh, like, it has I'm, to, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that's not the solution. Um, I like that the fight has real stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Eddie doesn't make it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that it, it, it makes it feel like, oh, shit, they could die. They might not make it through this. Mm. Um, I think having it be this sort of change in perception like we have to make him feel small it's it's a little silly but yeah. like it's kind of the only way you can make defeating this kind of cre- like how do you how do you beat an all-powerful creature right if there right. isn't some sort of loophole where it's like yeah it's it's sort of the freddy krueger thing like i'm not afraid of you anymore right and that's more or less how they beat him the first time right yeah yeah it's it's a little weird that they have to learn that lesson all over again. Yeah, like there's a part of me, there's a part of me that wishes that Stan hadn't killed himself so he could show up and be like, "Guys, this is stupid. <laughs> we just we're all adults yeah. now. Yeah, we just don't believe in this guy, and he goes away. We just do the same thing because he yeah. seems like the one who'd be like the rational one. Right, right. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I also found it hilarious <laughs> when they first came ac- upon the idea of we have to make him feel small. And Bev's yeah. like, there's a tiny opening yeah, over there. Yeah, we'll make him if he run gets through small this enough, little... it's like, Bev, Bev, we're in the middle of dealing with a gigantic, uh, amorphous, supernatural, like, symbolic creature. Yeah. We don't mean literally make him small, er, so we can step on him. But you know what? If you were terrified and in that situation, your That's brain true. would probably jump to the simplest explanation yeah. it could. Yeah, it's it just is. Like, I don't have the processing power to do much. It more. does feel like a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man moment yes. where it's like, this guy's a sailor. He's out for a good time. We yeah. get this guy laid. We won't have any yeah. problems. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I do. You feel like they go? So, I think the ending is tough because kind of like with the rest of this movie Mm -hmm. i feel like they feel the makers of this movie feel like there is a expectation or a bar that they have to reach yeah to make this worth it which is why it's so long which is why it's like there's so much stuff with the kids and when you get into this final sequence it's like okay we have to make this worth it let's just go as big as possible He's a gigantic spider. You haven't seen the TV one from the 1990. No, right? I haven't. You just wait for the end of that fucking movie. I can't wait. Um, it doesn't look like this. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's so big. It's it's yeah. And I like I I enjoy it though. I like it. I yeah. think it works because it's in that sort of roller coastery kind of tone at that point, where s- scariness is yeah like creepy scary is out the door at this point right right and now you are full on freddy krueger territory yeah. which i said as we were watching it this makes me wish they didn't <laughs> there was another freddy krueger movie because i bet it would be awesome yeah all the stuff they can do now well and i think if you're going along with that sort of conceit of like how you perceive pennywise is is what he is mm-hmm. like they have built this creature up in their heads so much. Sure, sure. So like yeah. it, it kind of like they've defined whether or not they realize it. They've they've lived their whole lives based on being afraid of this thing, and so it makes sense to me that like by the by this point, it Pennywise would be huge because mm-hmm. he has become huge in their minds. Sure, like he's inescapable. He's undefeatable. Like. So yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go with that sort of your perception of him affects the reality of him, then yeah, him being like eighty feet tall makes sense to me. Right. How do you feel about them bullying him to death at the end? <laughs> <laughs> I did make a joke about that where I was like, the lesson of this story is that verbal abuse and bullying are great. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. yeah, it's not it's not like we're not afraid of you. It's like yeah. you are a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like, you're an asshole. You stupid fucking clown. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of I wish they had kind of come up with some more creative things to say because yeah. I think Mike just goes clown. Yeah. Clown. Say it louder. Clown. Keep <laughs> like he yeah, I think that's that's it. Um again, it's one of those things that I think it works because how how else do you defeat this thing? Yeah. You know, like you can't physically overcome it. Ancient Indian rituals haven't worked. Mm-hmm. So there has to be sort of a, a a mental or an emotional aspect to it. You need to explain to Pennywise, you have a yeah. mortgage now. Yeah. You can't be worrying about aliens and shit. <laughs> aliens and shit. Yeah. So You want to see scary, you look at my grocery bill. <laughs> Inflation these days is what you should really be afraid of. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, I mean, I think I think in the actual execution, it feels a little silly in the moment. But I but I think that that's kind of the only way you can end this thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. I like the part where they pull his heart out. That's fun. That's that's cool. They do that. I think that's in the book because they do that yeah. in the other one as well. Like Kalimar and yeah. moment. Um. Yeah. Over. Over. So. I guess after that is all just the 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 tags on the end. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess one thing to talk about. Um. I remembered the first time it being a lot more. Uh. Kind of obvious that Richie was gay. And I mm. didn't remember it's it, last when we were watching it last night. I didn't feel like that came across as much as I remembered it. Yeah, I. I remember watching this the first time and being surprised by that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not not being just not having seen any evidence of it until it's like, oh, no, Eddie's dead. And mm-hmm. then it's like. But I, guess, I loved him. It was. It's a little so bit like. Does he, oh. he does he say that? No, no, no. Well, because because that's in my mind. In my mind, yeah. I remembered a, that being part of the scene where he pretty explicitly says that he loved Eddie and was in love with him. Yeah. But they don't do that in this. No. He's clearly, like I, I kind of think you could really read it either way that he's, you know, loves him romantically. Or that he's just sad that his friend is dead. But they do yeah. plant the stuff about him having a secret and all that kind of stuff. But Yeah, I, it, it is a little frustrating though, because it's 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 almost I think played too coyly, where yeah. it's like leaves you with some plausible deniability in a way that I think doesn't actually serve the story or the characters mm-hmm. very well. Like I'm I'm kind of more of the opinion like go there or don't. Right. You know, like yeah. either have it be a little clearer whether it was just, oh, I had a childhood crush on him or I've actually thought about him a lot ever since or I kind of forgot that I had a thing for him, but now mm-hmm. that we're adults and I've met him again, I'm like, oh my God, how did I forget that like this is the first boy I had a crush on? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like kind of put that out there more and have it be a part of their relationship or just make them best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think it's like they they the the movie as it as it handled it sort of did it in this halfway half measure way that mm. doesn't. I don't know. It's it's sort of like you don't get the benefit of either direction. Yeah, and I also kind of feel <clears throat> like it feels a bit of a bit like an afterthought for this movie. Yeah, because I feel like if you really wanted to go that route, you could have worked that into the first one. Right. Whether or not you're being explicit about it, whatever. But like, I I don't. When we watched the first one again, I didn't get any feeling that Richie was aside from. I guess if you want to read his, you know, aggressive ribbing. Yeah, aggressive ribbing as the sexually confused uh, young boy's way of coping with that. Right. Sure. I guess you could go that way. I but. think that would only work though if he only did it to Eddie. <laughs> right. Right. But he does it to everyone. True. True. Um, yeah. And it's sort of like the flashback that Richie has uh, when he goes into the closed movie theater into the arcade. Mm-hmm. I think you're very much supposed to read that interaction he has as a kid with the other boy when they're playing video games as like a, oh, I'm, I'm having a feeling about this other kid. Mm. 
And then it's, it's like, like that's the first evidence we sort of get right. of it. And yeah. at that point, we're an hour into the second movie. Yeah. And so it just feels a little bit like too little too late. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, the ending overall, I don't know. It's fine. Like, it's too, it's a little too... Like, that, that suicide note scene is like... Yeah. Come on, I, guys. I feel like they could have left that off. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You know, it would have. You could have. You could have just kind of done the. They all go to the quarry. Thing, mm-hmm. and they go swimming, and you know, yeah. There's that whole interaction where like Bev and Ben clearly get together, and Richie has a good cry over Eddie, mm-hmm. and Bill sort of has a moment of like looking around and like realizing, oh, it's a beautiful day, and I'm alive. Yeah. And then you maybe, if you really wanted to end it a little more firmly have the phone call between bill and mike sure showing mike packing up and 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 leaving dairy finally because it's all done it's over but i don't think you needed the rest of that no it's kind of it's kind of bonkers to me that they don't end it on the the group coming back from the quarry yeah looking into the window and seeing the reflection of them as kids yeah that seems like classic place they yeah. walk off you kind of like crane up over the Absolutely. thing and that's the end of the yeah, movie yeah, yeah um yeah no that's a, that's a really good i kind of forgot that that happened in in it's one of the like seven endings this movie has yeah. so i forgot about it and in the book there's there's a lot more to the end obviously yeah where like uh bill's wife plays a much bigger role in the ending yeah and bev's husband comes back to a certain extent yeah i think bev's husband is one of those stephen king characters where he's where it's like i think you're going a little too hard in the paint on this abusive husband thing. yeah um and ultimately he doesn't matter that much but he right you know, one of those things. right um yeah. so yeah it's it, it's interesting they keep some stuff in like uh bill's wife is in this but she doesn't play yeah. any part in it there's this thing about him the endings to his books being bad they talk about that over and over and over again and it's just like this is definitely criticism that stephen king himself has gotten right and he's put into this movie onto the uh stephen king surrogate character right i i don't think that is in the book beats me i I don't i don't remember from what i've read so far i don't think that's a thing in the book however i kind of wish that they had not leaned into that so hard yeah because it keeps coming up and the one place that they do it that i think would have been great was the stephen king scene yes because that i know that that is the joke about stephen king books as you're saying it's like his his endings are terrible right so if he was the only person who said that where he's like yeah your endings suck yes that would have been great even if they had done it there and then at the very end when he's talking to Mike and Mike is like, oh, are you writing again? And he's mm. like, yeah, and I actually think I know where I'm going this time. Right, right. Like, then I'd be like, okay, that's cute. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I, what, what, what are your, what are your, what's your feeling about this movie overall? Uh, huh. I mean, so it's, it's, it's a fun, surprisingly funny movie. Mm-hmm. But it drags at points. Yeah. So I think if you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, and you're debating whether or not you should, if you liked the first one, I think it's worth kind of seeing what happens to these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of Stephen King, I think it's worth it's worth sitting down and watching, even though it's long, 
because it's very well done. Yeah. You know, like the acting's really good in it. The visuals are beautiful. It It's just structurally, it's dealing with a, a strangely structured source material and you can tell that it struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit hampered by the way that they they ended up doing the first one. Yeah, but, but I do like it. You know, it's yeah, funny because when I think about each individual sort of portion of this movie, I'm like, oh, but that has that part, and I really like that part, and that yeah. has that scene, and I really th- that scene's great. Like, there's no there's no part of it that I'm super like, ugh, this is the moment where I'm gonna go like get. refill my snack and get another drink or whatever yeah you know this is a this might be sound weird after everything i've said about this for the past hour or so um yeah speaking of going on too long no we're gonna go my goal is to go longer than the movie so buckle up (laughs) Um, this is the part where i get another drink then i i have this tendency to gravitate towards lesser sequels for the ones that I revisit more often. Mm. A lot of times that's because I I know the original ones so well. Like, I, like for instance, I probably watch Ghostbusters 2 more than I watch the first one now. Okay. I think because I could, you know, I could say, I could <laughs> explain the first, the one. first yes. one. Yeah. Recite it yeah. end to end. Um, but there's also something about being more interested in the the uh unfamiliarity of the stuff yeah and so this movie i actually feel like i probably will revisit this one more than i will the first one yeah because i i i don't really know why but there's just Hmm. something about this one where the individual scenes are good um the actors are good the ending is really fun like if i was gonna if i was like in the mood for to watch it yeah. And I was like, ah, well, I'll put it on while I'm doing something. Most, I think I'd probably put this one on. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because I think we both felt more strongly about how good the first one is. Mm-hmm. And this one I think we both like, but we both have reservations about. Yeah. You know, I think what it is, <clears throat> is I think this one is more interesting to me because it is more flawed yeah and so i i i think about it a bit more as far as like right like what's working what's not what tweaks could have been made to make certain things work better if you rearranged this like that would that be an improvement yeah those sort of like troubleshooting and like putting new connections together yeah and even even if i'm not going that far as to actively think about like that yeah just the 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 flawed nature of it for some reason interests me more than the because the first one i yeah i get it yeah i don't i don't love the first one i think it's good enough yeah but it's not my favorite i think overall i still prefer the one from 1990 Mm -hmm. uh which i mean it's been a while since i've seen it so that might change in in 11 (laughs) 11 months. months um but yeah there's just something about this one that does kind of like peak that fires that neuron in my brain of, yeah. of being kind of more interested to spend time with this one and buddy there's plenty of time to spend with it um i mean if you like bill Hader, or jessica chastain for that matter <laughs> maybe that's what it is yeah uh but yeah i think i think it's an interesting movie um yeah yeah i don't know it wouldn't be on w- would you put this on our our main list no no yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean it's 
it's a fun movie. It does some really good gags, but none of it is is like top two hundred best horror movies. Yeah. Oh my god, look yeah. at this innovative, you know, thing. Yeah, we all remember this thing that came from it part two that other movies are now emulating. Yeah, it's like no, there's not really any of that. It's kind of emulating itself. Yeah. It's um I would say it's it's a really interesting swing for the fence that results in like a, a double yeah. down the line. You know? <laughs> Sports metaphors. Yeah, you know, that's what we're all here for. Stephen <laughs> King would appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, a baseball one, absolutely. Um yeah, I think that's gonna do it for it chapter two. I've hit our randomizer. Uh we've like we said before, we've got it in January and it in December. So everything else is ra- at random. I've hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. You know how hard it was to get the randomizer button, the rights to use that on Patreon from our main show? <laughs> Ain't cheap. It has landed on Silver Bullet. Oh, okay. So next month in February, we will be watching Silver Bullet starring Corey Haim in a wheelchair nice. and Gary Busey as his crazy uncle. Oh, my God. As they, uh, Fight some werewolves. I didn't know Gary Busey was in this. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for listening to the main show. And thanks for listening to all the other podcast stuff we have on patreon.com slash the Penske file. Amanda, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Hi. We will see you next time. Bye, Georgie. Bye.